we all know that God is powerful and eternal. This fact is obvious to everyone. Just look at the world around us. That which has been created must have a creator. But God, our creator, is not just our creator. He is not cold and distant. He didn't just set it going, like winding up a clock and leaving it to run its course. We see his active interest most clearly in the birth of a baby in Bethlehem a little over 2,000 years ago. The birth of the baby Jesus. We're all familiar, I think, with those events. The angels, the shepherds, the manger, the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes. This birth was the most important birth in the history of mankind. We need to understand afresh the meaning of who was born and what happened there. For just a few minutes, I want to draw your attention to one of the great passages in Scripture on the incarnation of this baby. And it's found in Philippians chapter 2. The Apostle Paul was writing to the church at Philippi. He comes to this point where he is exhorting them to humility humbleness to esteeming each other better than themselves and he brings before us this great example of voluntary humiliation he says there in verse 5 let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. The words of our text are very clear. We are to have the mind of Christ in us. But what are we to learn about his time of humiliation, his humble coming to earth. Let us see firstly that his his birth was not his beginning. Verse 6, who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God. 
He is in his very essence God. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, three persons. His conception and birth were not his beginning. He was already in the form of God. We read earlier from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 1. And in that passage we saw that Joseph was concerned when he heard that Mary was pregnant. In verse 20 we read, But while he thought on these things, Behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. That was a very unique and special event. The Holy Spirit had moved upon Mary. Mary was pregnant with the baby Jesus. This was in fulfillment of the prophecy given in Isaiah. And the evangelist brings this out so very clearly. Verse 22 of Matthew chapter 1. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Christ Jesus, not only in his very essence, was God and is God, but he was seen to be God. During his ministry, he could say whilst debating with some of the religious leaders, John's Gospel, chapter 8, verse 58, Before Abraham was, I am. Before Abraham was, I am. As he is God by nature, he always is. He is the monogenesis of the Father. The only begotten of the Father. As we read in John 1 verse 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. And going down to verse 14 there, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John saw 
something of his glory on that mount of transfiguration. He who is eternal, he who is God, the Son, came as a baby in the womb of his mother. Jesus said in his great high priestly prayer, John 17 verse 5, And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. His position before his incarnation was glorious. Isaiah saw something, a glimpse of this glory in the sixth chapter of his prophecy. When he saw that great vision there, he was filled with that terrible, that fearful sense of his own unworthiness, his own sin. The holiness of God the sinfulness of my own self. We have too low a view of God and too high a view of ourselves. It is when we begin to appreciate who the baby born at Bethlehem is. His glory, His holiness. He is God. And to know that we are poor, weak, frail, foul, disgusting sinners in the sight of God. Not that we're as bad as we could be, because we're not. But every little sin contaminates the whole. Think of it. I have a glass of water. How many drops of lethal poison are safe to put in it? If you put one drop of the world's most lethal poison in it, even a tiny drop, it would be fatal to drink it. It contaminates the whole. And in God's sight, that's what sin is like. Sin contaminates. God is holy, cannot tolerate the presence of sin. We read in Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3 of Jesus, who being the brightness of God's glory and the express image of his person and upholding things by the word of his power, He is the one who came and dwelt amongst us. He is the Godhead veiled in flesh. His birth was not his beginning, 
But let us notice now his voluntary humiliation. Philippians 2 verse 7. But made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. This is the key point of the Incarnation. He laid aside that glory that was his by right. He came in the likeness of man. That tiny, helpless baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and laid in a manger. Do you see the contrast from glory to the manger? God entered into his creation. In the wilderness, the glory of God dwelt amidst his people in the tabernacle. And the pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire marked that holy presence. But when that babe was laid in the manger, there was no holy glow. There was no pillar of cloud. There was no pillar of fire. He was a baby, just a baby, as it were. Lying helpless in that manger. Jesus Christ did not lay aside being God to become a man. That's not what happened. He took upon himself humanity. One person, two natures. His humiliation was by way of taking on a human nature. And for a time, that was as a servant. A lowly, humble servant. He had come to serve his heavenly Father. He came serving those around him. His time of humiliation was from that cradle to the grave. He is the faithful servant of Isaiah. He was truly a man but unique. What was Adam's problem? Adam sinned. He didn't trust God, but did that which God had forbidden. Jesus was different. He was in all points tempted, 
like as we are, yet without sin. Part of his humiliation, though, was that he entered into a world which has been afflicted by the consequences of sin. And he submitted himself to some aspects of this. Remember him asking for water to drink. Remember on the cross he cried out, I thirst. He became tired. He fell asleep amidst that storm when the disciples thought they would perish. But he also submitted to active misunderstanding and persecution. What was the reaction of King Herod when he heard the news from the wise men? They asked, where is he that is born king of the Jews? What was his response? He issued that order that the infants of Bethlehem were to be killed. It's terrible. But so often, our hearts do that which is wrong. And Herod was taking that to the greatest extent he could. And then there were the religious leaders when they saw the miracles, when they saw him casting out evil spirits, what did they say? You were doing this by Beelzebub, the prince of the devils. He had come doing good and preaching the truth. But he was misunderstood and persecuted. He was arrested. He was mocked. That crown of thorns was placed upon him. He was nailed to the tree. Then we read verse 8. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. He humbled himself, became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. That babe lay in the manger because he had come with a purpose. Shall call his name Jesus for he shall save his people from their sin. And he could only do that by being truly man, truly God. He could only do that by living out that sinless life. And he could only do that by submitting to death, his body truly suffered. He truly died in his humanity. His heart stopped bleeding. His body was taken down and laid in that tomb. And the tomb was sealed. 
He who knew all glory. The eternal Son took flesh. Lived as a man like us. Humbled himself. Humbled himself. Submitted even to death on the cross. This is when God truly gave. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He is that sacrifice. The sacrifice that pays the penalty for this people's sin. The sacrifice. Our substitute. Dying in our place. If our trust is in him. But that cross was not his end. That grave. Though sealed. Could not contain him. So thirdly, we note that he is now gloriously exalted. Verse number 9. Wherefore, God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things that are under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord uh, to the glory of God uh, the Father. We do not gather together for our times of worship to remember a baby who had been laid in a manger and then whose body ended up sealed in a tomb. He died, but he rose again. That tomb is empty. He is not here. He is risen. Why seek ye the living amongst the dead? This is the joyous truth. Jesus is alive. He is now a gloriously exalted. The exaltation, however, is much more than his resurrection. It's vitally important as that is. In his humanity, he has been exalted and given a name which is above every name. There is a man in the glory no longer seen as a humble servant, despised and rejected. Adam sinned, but the last Adam did not. Indeed, he went further. Romans 5 verse 15, 
But not as the offence, so also the free gift. For if through the offence of one many be dead, much more by the grace of God than the gift of grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ hath abounded unto man. Adam brought death upon us all, for we have all sinned in Adam. But Jesus Christ has brought the gift of life for all who trust in him. Verse 10 is both wonderful and yet also so solemn. Verse 10, That at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Every knee bow, every tongue confess. That is either today acknowledging him as your Lord and Savior, or it will be as your judge. The babe came to the manger and went to the cross to save his people from their sins. With Thomas, we should bow and confess, my Lord and my God. But the day is coming when all will appear before him. That great white throne judgment and all who know not Christ will bow will confess that he is Lord. But it will be a time of judgment. A time of sentence. Of punishment. This is so solemn. How can we even think about it? But the scriptures tell us that there is no hope but in the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you think of the cost, the price, the humiliation he paid to save his people from his sins, what rebellion it is, not only to deny the truth of creation and the reality and existence and power of God, but also to ignore his divine special revelation. Oh, dear friends, I pray that you might call upon the name of the Lord today. Confess the Lord Jesus Christ is Lord. Ask for forgiveness. Turning from your sin and crying unto him for mercy. Jesus, that babe, the one who 
lived out that life as a servant, who was obedient unto death, even the death of the cross, where he was made a curse for us. Jesus is exalted. I pray that he might be exalted in your heart and your life this day. Amen.